0: Exodus 18, uh, verses 13 to 27. This is uh, the ESV, as you know, has this whole chapter marked as Jethro's advice. Uh, And we are going to come to the point tonight where Jethro actually gives his advice. That's the second part of the chapter. Um, And and before we do that, just a quick review. Uh, If you remember last week... Uh, first of all, I want to talk about our mission, knowing God and making him known. And we are called to make God known. That's what we are to do. That's our mission as a church. and it's also something that all believers are called to do. Um, and that's that's what we talked about last time, making Him known, which requires a mindset, you know, not just that that I am going to share God or make him known, when a door is so wide open that I can't miss it, uh, more that, you know, I'm going to look for opportunities, find a way to, to make God known. So it's, that's the mindset that we need as, as believers, uh, and we also need a strategy. Um, and Moses makes God known to Jethro, the priest of Midian and his father-in-law, and how he does that in Exodus one or eighteen one to twelve is a, is a really good example for us. It's a good strategy for us. Uh, and, and here's what it says there: Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. So he he greeted him. He showed him respect, and they asked each other of their welfare. So that, that would be like they're asking how you're doing, basically, and, and meaning it, not just how you're doing, um, but but asking each other how, they're, how they are faring. Uh, and then they went into the tent. And when Moses gets his father-in-law in the tent, Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for the cause of Israel. For Israel's sake. So that's that's what Moses does. He just tells his father-in-law what God has done and all the hardship that had come upon them in, in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. So if you skip down to verse eleven, um, it starts off this way. This is this is Jethro speaking now, Moses' father-in-law, after Moses has made the Lord knowed to him. He says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all God. So that's just a quick summary of, of last week as we move into the second part of this, this chapter. And this is the part that's more familiar. Um, it, it is Jethro's advice. Um, and often, and it, this will be in almost all the commentaries, but. But other people refer to it as well uh, because it contains the principle of division of labor. Um, So here we are 3,500 years ago in Scripture. We have this principle of organizations, the division of labor. So if you've been in business or... Um, if you take if you've been in, in a in a business course or degree or uh, maybe maybe in other things you have had probably had something called organizational theory. So organizational theory it's usually a college course, leadership courses, business courses have something called organizational theory. Well, when I had it um, one of the one of the, ta- one of the times I had it it was called organizational theory and practice. So, in other words, we're going to try to make practical applications of the theories that we learn applying that principle to everyday life. Well, that's in Exodus 18. So, uh, that's what we have in the part of this. So, a few years ago, it's been, well, it was 1986, uh, a guy wrote a book called all I really t- need to know, I learned in kindergarten. <laughs> the guy's name was Robert Fulghum. He was actually a pastor um, and and a writer, and he wrote this book. And the book is—I com- didn't read it. Um, figured I learned it in kindergarten, <laughs> but but it's a series of essays, about fifty essays. And the first one was entitled the same title as the book all I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. And, and he was just making the case that, you know, if we just lived by the rules that we learned in kindergarten, life would be a lot better for us. Uh, and so that's what the, the book is about. But, you know, regarding organizations and leadership and things like that, we could say, you know, all I really need to know I learned in Sunday school. Or, better yet, I learned in scripture because uh, that's, what, that's what you see throughout Scripture is, you know, I used to say this to friends all the time. The Bible is the most practical book that you will ever read. So I had the opportunity over the years to read these different leadership books. And, and one of the things that, that you realize is they're just saying the same thing over and over again. They're trying to find a new way to say it. Um, but you could just read your Bible and find the same the same thing. The most popular things right now, I mean, are, are things by uh, Ken Blanchard in and, and Servant Leadership, and then he wrote Servant Leadership in Action, and then he wrote Lead Like Jesus. And then, so, I mean, just continually repeating things that we have in Scripture. And so that's one thing we probably don't think about, is that things about leadership and things about, Uh, organizational theory are actually found in scripture they are there and so uh, as we start tonight you'll see those things as we get there Um, but we'll read through this passage and then we will uh, follow a a real brief outline uh, as we study it so we'll read through these uh, 15 verses The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me and inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws or his instructions. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice, and I will give you advice, and God will be with you. Or God with you, and God be with you. It could be either a statement or or a desire. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times, every great matter They shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father in law and did all that he had said. Moses chose Able, able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, and of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. That's his father-in-law went away to his own country. So we are, um, that's, that's our passage for tonight. We're going to look at it uh, this way. Um, working hard and humility. Working hard and humility. That's what we'll tit- title it. Humility is a virtue. And, and most of us would take the view that working hard is also a virtue. Um, it is a virtue. It's commended in scripture it's a good thing so most of us would think of things like this a compliment if somebody said this to us well she's a hard worker or he's a hard worker I visited with somebody recently said you know I, I'm going li- to give you the list of the, of the five people that I consider the hardest workers I ever met why would anybody keep that list Well, because it is a virtue to be a hard worker. But our first point is this. Working hard is not always good. Second, God provides a way to make working hard good. Third, humility makes working hard easier. So those are the three points under working hard and humility. Humility. First one, working hard is not always good. The next day, the next day, so this is the day after what we had last week. The day after uh, Moses' father-in-law proclaims, Now I know that Yahweh is the greatest of all gods. So the next day, Moses sat down, or sat, to judge The people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. So the picture there is Moses is the one sitting, and the people are standing around. And judge can mean to judge between people, Um, it can also mean to interpret things, to, to apply the counsel of God, for example, and it can also mean to lead, to lead people. Um, and to uh, lead, it can lead in, in the military sense too. That's why we have a book of Judges and the people in there are called Judges because that's what they did. They led um, and they led both civilly and in war. So, clearly here, Moses is working hard. Notice what it says. From morning till evening. He is working hard from morning till evening. He's got two million people, don't forget. Um, And he is working hard to judge the people. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he had two questions. The first question is this. What is this that you are doing for the people. So that's the way most of our English translations will read this way. If you have King James, anybody have King James here? It reads slightly differently. It reads what is this thing that thou doest to the people? Uh, which those are both perfectly fine translations of the words that are there. Uh, interestingly, the Jewish translation of the Hebrew Bible into English phrases it the same way, like this What is the thing that you are doing to the people? So that's a, words are the same. It's a little bit different meaning in English if we say for the people or to the people. Uh, and either is possible, but I think in context, uh, the, the ones that interpret it like, like this, what are you doing to the people, uh, fit the context better of what, uh, what is happening here. Because Jethro goes on to say, the second question, why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? So the, the people all have to stand around you from morning to evening, too. You don't just get to sit there from morning to evening. The people have to stand around from morning to evening. But Moses has an answer to Jethro's questions. He actually has a good, well-thought-out answer to those questions. He says this, And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. Well, that's important. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. So the people have questions. Moses speaks to God. Moses speaks to God face to face. He can give them an answer, right? Sometimes they bring legal cases. That's the point here. Um, and he can bring those to God too. He does bring those to God. And God can tell him what to say. So he teaches them the statutes and the laws or the instructions of the Lord. And they need to know them because we've, we've seen already that uh, back in Exodus 16 when when the Lord speaks with Mona, Moses about manna, he says that he's going to test the people. And what's he want to find out? Will they walk in my instructions? Will they walk in my laws or not? So they need to know, right? So if they're going to walk in those instructions, they have to know what they are. So Moses is doing all good things, right? Moses is doing all things that are important, all things that, that need to be done, uh, and it seems like a really good answer that Moses gives. He puts the issue to rest, really. It, it's uh, indisputable that those things are necessary. But, but his father-in-law does not answer, Oh, now I see. That's a really good idea. You know, you really are in a unique position. You do speak to God face to face. And so... I think you're right. I think that's what you need to do. I stand corrected. Keep up the good work. No, he says this. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. So everything that Moses is doing is important. And everything that he is doing, he is the most qualified person to do it. All of those things are important. All of those things are essential. Moses is probably best at it. There's nobody that can do it better. So why does Jethro say it is not good what you're doing? You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out. So so there are a couple of different ways major ways to translate this. Some of the words can can vary a little bit in English, but but they fall into two just general categories, and, and one of them is like the ESV has it here, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. In other words, Moses, you'll wear yourself out, and the people will wear themselves out, or even you guys are going to wear each other out. Um, that's a possible translation, but but I think that uh, this translation will fit the, fit the story and the emphasis better. And the first part, the part in yellow, comes directly from the New American Standard. You will certainly wear out, Moses, both yourself and and these people who are with you. So Moses, you will wear yourself out and you will wear the people out. And that's not good, right? Hard work isn't always good. You might see how that Moses could wear himself out, but what does it mean that he can wear them out? Well, back to the first or the second verse we had here. When Moses saw, or when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing to the people, he said, What is this that you are doing to the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Now that would be exhausting. Right, that would wear you out. So, some would say, and, and even even this part, for the thing you is too heavy for you, you are not able to do it, that you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I like things that are too heavy for me. I, I like things that, that wear me out. We have sayings like this, you know, I can't really outsmart them, but I can outwork them. Right, I don't have any quit in me. I can do it. I, I can get through this. And my favorite, and I've used this one myself, is I'd rather wear out than rust out. So did, did you ever consider this? You're wearing other people out too when you do that. When you think that way. So, so what is it when we, uh, I'll take them in reverse order, when we say this. What, what is behind this, these statements? I'd rather wear out than rust out. I can do this. I can get through it. I don't have any quit in me. I can't outsmart them, but I can outwork them. Pride. That's what that is. Undoubtedly, pride. Too high of a view of ourselves. So, pride is not a virtue. Humility is a virtue. Pride is not a virtue. Pride is a sin. Pride is a deadly sin. So, does that fit with Moses? Because we know that it says later um, in in Numbers, Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. So, so how does this fit here? Well, John Calvin, um, who has thought about this a lot, and he has a very, very high view of Moses. If you read through... Calvin, you will see that he has a really, really high view of Moses, higher than most of us or probably any of us would have, and he thought this was the central issue for Moses pride. That he wasn't humble enough. He was humble. Calvin praises his, hum- his humility, but he's the most humble person on the planet, but he's not perfect. And he still has humility to learn. And, and Calvin says that this is a common problem. Um, pardon the translation because it's in older English. But, but here's something that Calvin says regarding this, this, this text that we're looking on. Yeah. Here, too... It is worthwhile to remark that no single mortal can be sufficient to do everything. However many and various may be the endowments wherein he excels. So in other words, no matter how good he is, uh, it, that doesn't matter. No person is able to do this. For who shall equal Moses? So he, there's none of us that can equal Moses, he would say whom we have still seen to be unequal to the burden. So in other words, he can't meet this burden. When he undertook the whole care of governing the people, let then God's servants learn. That's us, right? Let then God's servants learn to measure carefully their powers, lest they should wear out by ambitiously not not a not a good word by ambitiously embracing too many occupations or too many things. For this propensity to engage in too many things is a very common malady. And numbers are so carried away by it as not to be easily restrained. So, so, Basically, Calvin says, if Moses can't do it, who do we think we are trying to take on too many things? Uh, we have no chance. And by the way, we, we, really a lot of us like to do this. We like to do it because a lot of us have pride. Right? We have pride. We, we don't have the humility that we should have. So working hard is not always good. But God provides a way to make working hard good. So this is Jethro speaking, Moses' father-in-law, and he says this, Now obey my voice, and I will give you advice, and God be with you. And then he says, Stop working so hard, Moses. Take it easy. Find a, a work-life balance. Get a hobby. You know, maybe take up golf. Take up woodworking for some of you. Take a pickleball. Right? No. He doesn't tell Moses to take it easy. He doesn't tell him to uh, find a hobby. You shall represent the people before God. And you shall bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws or the instructions. And make them know the way which they must walk and what they must do. So the four things there. represent. You, you should do this, Moses. Represent the people before God. Bring their cases to God. Warn them. Teach them. Make them know. But it sounds like the same thing that he was doing before. Um, and they are. With With one exception. So what's missing? Well, here's what's missing. Sitting to judge the people. And having the people stand around you from morning till night, so that's what's missing. So, so there is right there is that that, that thing we talked about: organizational theory, division of labor. You're going to take one of these things, Moses, and you're going to hand them hand it off to somebody else. You're going to divide the labor. So, um, Moses is supposed to then. Assign other judges. Moreover, look for able men from all the people who, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of ten. So, so there's more in here than just. Organizational theory, um, division of labor. There's there's lots more in here, but but notice that Je- Jethro doesn't say this. Moreover, look for somebody to help. Ask for volunteers. Find some volunteers. No, instead he says look for, or find, or perceive a specific kind of person. Moreover, look for able men. They have ability from the people, from all the people. So look far and wide. Find men who fear God. And if you find men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, uh, in other words, in leadership, you're, you're looking for people to lead the people here, character matters, right? Character matters. Men who fear God, men who are trustworthy and hate bribes, and also that they're capable. They can, they can do the work that you have in there for them. So, you know, there you go. There, there's the essence of the, of, the, of the new leadership material that's out. So if you want to read one of those books, go ahead. You're going to find things like this. You know, you have to have people that can, that can actually do the job. Uh, and then you're going to have to have people with good character. And if you don't have people with good character, it doesn't matter if they can do the job. That's what you're going to find <laughs> in leadership books today. So you can skip them and just read Exodus. right? Just read Just read Exodus. So, another principle of organizational theory is called span of control. How many people can you actually supervise at once? How many people can you lead at once? And that that varies by what you're trying to do, but but here's what it says, what Jethro says to Moses, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands of, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. A few things to notice there. First of all, it seems to be kind of a hierarchy thing here, right? So you've got rulers of thousands or, or chiefs of thousands, and then you have hundreds and fifties and tens. But the thing that most of these are one to ten ratios, except for there's something out of the ordinary here. It goes thousands, hundreds, and then you would expect it to say tens. But it doesn't say tens. It says thousands, hundreds, fifties, and ten. So what's the deal with the fifty? Why is it fifty? Well, uh, another thing you might be able to read is, well, we'll just go. We'll just talk about it this way. If you, if you, if you go to the average church size in the United States, not the average church size, percentage of churches in the United States that are a certain size. Eighty percent of the churches in the United States have a hundred or less people in them. Ninety percent of the churches in the United States have ninety or less or two hundred or less people in them. So what's going on there? Well, these are organizational things. You can really only know really well about ten to twelve people. They're your the rulers of ten. You can really only have friends of about 50 to 75 people so 50 75 churches are most, most churches are under a hundred people why because they can know by people they can know each other at least on some level and, and one that 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 I I hadn't heard before but but uh, one of the guys that was here from the central district point out, pointed out this: when you get to when you get to two hundred people, people don't feel like they can know their pastor. So these are all organizational things that you're going to find in Scripture. Jesus has twelve apostles, right? Then there are about another seventy that follow him around, right? So. There is there there are principles here that are in in scripture. It's it's rare for, uh, and I think we have a rare senior pastor here for somebody to be able to know more than two hundred people, and for two two hundred more than two hundred people to be to feel like that they they can know him. Span of control. So with bigger churches, this gets harder, and we experience it. It's harder to have that feeling where you're connected where you know people. It's harder and harder to do that. That's why that's why churches all over the place, mega churches, what do they have? Life groups. They need to have break it down into smaller groups. What do we do? Community groups. Some of us, right? So if not, we form the we form them informally. We can have them formally or informally. We form these kind of groups and and in churches we need leaders for those for these things so you know you might say well don't we hire associate pastors for that well yes they have the same limitations they might be good leaders of a hundred but not two hundred most of us right so we need leaders and there are lots of them in churches there are lots of them in this church Lots of them that have the gifts of leadership. And and we have lots of leaders that are leading. And we have some that aren't. Um, so next verse. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you. But any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you. And they will bear the burden with you. So how can we be sure that these judges are going to do the right thing? How are we going to be sure that they're going to make the right decisions? How is Moses going to be sure that they make the right decisions? Well, first of all, he's not going to get the person, the the, the new judge, to do exactly what he would do. Right? But, don't forget this he selected people with ability. He's, he's supposed to select people with that fear God that are trustworthy and hate bri- and hate a bribe. Well that helps. And then Moses other job teach everybody teach them and so let's say that you can that you can have people of that character and you can teach them. And you might be able to get it to ninety percent of the time they make the right decision, right? When they're when they're groups of ten, and then, but if they they're not sure, they can go to the guy that's ahead of groups of fifty, and if he's wrong, ten percent of the time. If they're all wrong, ten percent of the time, it gets pretty small pretty fast, with the decisions the 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 wrong decisions would be. So it's an important it's an important thing that Jethro tells Moses to do so it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you so so we're we're commanded we know that we're commanded in scripture to bear one another's burdens and we usually think of that as in i've just had a disaster happen in my life please help me with this disaster that's happened in my life please bear my burden with me well that, that is an important part of it but it's also to share work like here. let us share in the work for the sake of the church. So we are supposed to help each other with our work and as Moses calls on these people um, he is he will get his, the people to help and if you do this God will direct you. And you will be able to endure. Doesn't say you'll be able to take it easy. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. So that's better than wearing them out. Right? It's it's better than doing that. So point two was God provides a way of working or making hard work good. So it was actually God that did that, right? So, so God brings Jethro to Moses. So, and when he does when he does that, does does Moses say, "Well, who do you think who do you think you are? I've been leading these people. I brought them out of Egypt." No, he doesn't do that. Um, he doesn't tell his father-in-law, "You're just an old man. You just need to go home." And that's because humility makes working hard easier. And we know that Moses was humble. So Moses learns his lesson in humility. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. So he accepts being rebuked by his father-in-law, he doesn't object to it at all. So he learns the lesson of humility that he is supposed to do. And he is truly the most humble man on earth. So it does take humility to ask for help. right? So it, it's, it's hard to ask for help. And so, and why is it hard to help, ask for help? Because we're, we're too proud to ask for help, right? We, we'd rather say, you know, I'll just get through it. I'll just do it myself. But when we get to the point um, where we think like this, if you want a job done right, <laughs> you have to do it yourself right so when we think that way we're going to wear ourselves out and worse than that we're going to wear other people out so moses learned and his life got easier his hard work got easier but there is plenty more hard work ahead of Moses. His life, if you know the story, does not get easier. right? It gets better, It's better than it would have been <laughs> if he had not learned humility. But he has a really, really hard road ahead of him that he needs humility for. And God grants that to him. God gives him humility. That's why he brings to him his father-in-law. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. So, working hard and humility. Working hard is not always good, but God provides the way to work hard. That is good. Humility makes working hard, easier. And one just final point here. So, so Regarding God providing the way through Jethro, his father-in-law. Don't forget that he is the priest of Midian. We don't really know his spiritual status. We, we just don't know where he ended up. Um, probably, almost certainly not a believer in, in one God only coming in and so, we might we might think somebody like that, well, I just wouldn't listen to somebody like that, right? Uh, because I don't listen to anybody but Christians. I don't take advice from anybody but a Christian person because they're not spirit-filled. Well, God provides it through Jethro, and we don't really know anything about him. Very little about him, I should say. We don't know much about him. But God grants wisdom to some measure of wisdom to everybody. Right? All people. I don't know if I shouldn't state all, but if not all, almost all people. It's <laughs> some level of wisdom. God gives us wisdom in various ways. Creation tells us about wisdom. Wisdom shouts in the streets, it says. God can use whomever he wants, right, to bring wisdom to it. But it takes somebody like, like Moses, with the humility of Moses, to it, listen to it, because we, we just naturally want to recoil from advice, right? We want to justify ourselves. So, so, how do we know who we should listen to? This last week, um i mentioned before that that I actually am on Twitter. I, I've, I've learned now that um, this week from Albert Moeller that Twitter's not for young people. Twitter's for old people now. Uh, they don't they don't listen to it because 280 characters is, is too many. Too many too much to follow. we have to have that. but anyway, I'm on Twitter. Billy Graham's well, the Billy Graham Association is on Twitter. and, and Billy said, They're quoting Billy Graham, and he said, Well, God will never, ever, ever advise you to go against Scripture. So anybody that advises you anything against Scripture is not somebody that you should listen to on that thing, about that, right? But God provides wisdom in very many different ways. We can learn from a lot of people. But we have to make sure we're learning uh, the right things uh, the right way. And so that's why we come to Scripture. That's why we study Exodus. So let's close in prayer and then we'll have our uh, final hymn.